Hey beautiful people, I hope you're doing good. I am doing good, all things considered. Um, if you are following me on social media platforms, I have said it before on the end of the last episode, but I am taking a breather from just constantly putting out a lot of short form content right now. Um, this is my second annual digital detox for the month of January. I did it last year, January 2023, and I really enjoyed the results of it. I really enjoyed how centered I felt coming into a new calendar year, and I just want to keep the tradition going, and I I made a resolution to put out content almost every day of December 2023, so I didn't make it every day, but I got really close to it being a daily thing. And that took a lot out of me on top of having a full-time day job and other passion projects that I'm working on and trying to show up for myself and friends and family and all that good stuff. So this month is really slow on the content front for me. And I apologize if I've disappointed you, but I really think it's good for my mental health and it's good for me so that I can come back refreshed and come back with some really great content after this month is over. So thank you so much for your patience. I really appreciate having you here and bearing with me while we navigate this crazy ride called life. And on top of that, it doesn't help that I didn't put out an episode last week, but I think because of the nature of what we spoke about in the previous episode and how that got really vulnerable and serious, I just thought it was good to let that have a breather, let it have its time in the spotlight because that's probably, of all the content I've put out thus far, that is some of the most personal, vulnerable content that I have thrown out there for consumption at this time to date. So it was really scary for me, you know? I'm I'm a very private person uh, in real life. It may not come across that way because I'm dabbling in content creation, but I promise you, every time I hit upload on any piece of content, I'm scared. <laughs> um, so I'm doing it, but I'm doing it scared. So yeah, after being super vulnerable like that and wearing my heart on my sleeve, I just thought I'd let that have its moment and then just kind of take a brief hiatus. So we're back. Enough about that. Let's get into the proceedings for this evening. And we're going to talk about what has been all over my social media feeds. I don't know about you, but literally every other video that I see is about this phenomenon. And it's funny because it actually coincides with a video I made on TikTok last month, so December 2023, that really is about what we're going to talk about here. And it seems like the following couple of days or weeks after I put that content out, I started seeing this all over the place. And so I think it's an appropriate time to give it a dedicated space on the pod to talk about it. So we're going to talk about it. So I want to talk about the erasure of preteen, teen, tween culture and media, which of course includes clothing brands because we are a fashion philosophy podcast after all. So that's always going to be sprinkled in there to some degree. And um, yeah, apparently there's a lot of us who have seen this shift and this erasure of a very important subset of people. And we're disturbed by what we're seeing. And I'm definitely in that number. So to give us some backstory, 
I made a TikTok video about what I call the bravoification of pretty much young adults and youth culture. And what I said in that video was that I think that Bravo TV is the catalyst for all of these changes that we're seeing in media consumption and how we're seeing young women show up in the world today. Because in my mind, I look at the aesthetics that I see out here online and in media, and they are a direct reflection of this Real Housewives aesthetic. You see young girls talking about going to Pilates and going to yoga classes and wearing Lululemon and aloe yoga and clean girl beauty and clean girl hairstyles, which is basically a slicked back bun. And we're seeing the deification of these really young celebrities like Sophia Ritchie, who comes to mind, who this might be an unpopular opinion and you don't have to share it, but I think that she looks so much older than her age and in a way that just feels really jarring and forced and her aesthetic her lifestyle her outfits they read as someone who's a lot older than her years now do those things absolutely slap on an age appropriate woman yes they do for somebody to be dressing and living like sophia ritchie when she's an accomplished well lived woman in her 40s she's fabulous that's awesome you know i find that aspirational in a lot of ways but to be sophia ritchie who is still very very young it just reads as a fast track to adulthood that begs the question of why why is there this push for these very young women to look and act and have lifestyles that are as grown up as humanly possible, as quickly as possible. So it's kind of a which came first, the chicken or the egg kind of question when you think about it, because the question at hand, as far as I see it, is what is responsible for the lack of teen culture that we have today? Is it the lack of media or is it the lack of actual product and brand representation for this subgroup of people. And in my mind, I think it's a yes and no question. So depending on what side of the fence you want to be on, I think either one of those things is responsible for being the chicken or the egg. Um, and I will explain why. So if you ask me, I think we see the decline of youth product and youth media happen right around the same time, which... I always cite this as a time period where we lost a lot of great contemporary institutions that I don't think most of us will realize for years to come. But a lot of the things that we've lost, including youth culture, I feel can be traced back to the 2008 recession. A lot of people don't really realize it, but we lost a lot of American mainstays during that period of time. And we're just now reeling from the after effects of it because of course there's so much life that has happened full on like between 2008 and now. It's like, God, can we catch a break? So it's been hard to kind of step back and look at the ramifications of 2008 because of so many of the other things that happened within the years following that. 
but let's at least take a look at youth culture and so we can examine further what we're talking about here. So picture it, you know, if you were there like I was, you don't have to picture it too hard, but if you weren't, picture the early to mid 2000s. The internet is very much a thing, but it's still a thing for specific kinds of people. Everyone is not online in the 2000s. Smartphones are a luxury if you even bother to have one. We very much were fine with touchpads and, you know, simple keys, calling, texting sparingly. We were just starting to get phone calls free after 9 p.m. or 7 p.m. if you had Sprint or I think Singular Wireless, which no longer exists. So again, proving my point that this is all very long time ago. Um, so I'm saying all that to say the media landscape at that time is very different from what we have today. We don't have mobile media the way that we do right now, not even close. We are starting to see social media take a, take hold in society. You know, we have MySpace, we have Facebook at that time, other kind of like lesser known platforms like uh, Mijente or Black Planet or something super regional like Sconex, which if you're from New York City and you know what Sconex is, uh, it's time to get an eye cream. <laughs> but, um, you know, we do have these things starting to emerge, but they're not part of our daily lives the way that they are deeply embedded in our psyches today. And furthermore, more to the point, this media that we do have is incredibly segmented. It is absolutely not made with the intention of being consumed by any and everyone. We have these cultural box office hit movies like Mean Girls, which came out in, I believe, either 2003 or 2004, which is an entire movie that's based on the inner mechanisms of being a girl in high school and how that operates kind of parallel to being in the jungle. And absolutely brilliant movie, brilliant plot that's focused on depicting people being young. Now, we can argue that the actors that were in this movie were a very glossy, very unrealistic view of teenage girls because I was around during that time. I actually went to go see Mean Girls in the theater. Ugh, I feel old. Um, and I know for a fact that girls didn't look like Rachel McAdams and Lindsay Lohan and all those things, but they still felt more realistic than what we have today, in my opinion. And because they were actors, they didn't reflect real life. It was very easy to separate Hollywood and fakery from your real life back then. Like, yes, even though these are actors who are supposed to be portraying girls who are in high school, we were far enough removed from media at that point that you didn't look at yourself and your friends in high school and think that something was wrong with you, that you didn't look like an actor. It was kind of just a an unspoken rule that this is a facade. This is an overly glamorized depiction of what this is. And take it at face value, take it for entertainment, but don't take it for reality. At this time, we also have whole entire clothing stores that are dedicated to young adult women 
who, and I mean, I'm sure young adult men too, but for the sake of this conversation, I am mainly focused on young adult women here. We have stores that are dedicated to this entire subgroup of people. Uh, most notably, one limited to, which I think is probably the most successful preteen and tween clothing franchise uh, in modern American history. Limited Two was owned by the Limited Brands, and they operated under the demographic of young girls ages five to fifteen. And we were, they were very prominent throughout the nineties. And they did close their doors following the 2008 recession. And they ended up being folded into the lower-priced brand Justice, which I think a lot of kind of younger adults might be familiar with. By the time Justice came around, I had long stopped shopping at Limited 2. So Justice is not in my generation, but I am aware of its existence. And it did come in as a step over into more affordable limited two-esque aesthetics because one of the biggest complaints about limited two was that it was quite expensive for what it was at that time and so justice was an answer to that because it was lower priced and more affordable but again following the 2008 recession these brick and mortar stores just couldn't keep up and both limited two and justice brands are no longer physically in stores um, there may be a few holdover stores for Justice that are still in operation, but the parent company that owns Justice did file for bankruptcy some years ago, and uh, Walmart bought the rights for Justice clothing brand that they sell exclusively online. So if there are some holdover stores, just like how you know every now and then you might see a Sears in the wild, even though you know Sears is pretty much dead in the water, Justice is the same thing basically if it's still around it's on its very very last legs not to mention other clothing brands like wet seal and uh, mandy's and um stores like rave and 579 that cater to young women 579 was a little racy but it catered to a younger adult woman you know a woman in her 40s was not shopping at 579 basically so we had a bunch of stores that were dedicated to this young female demographic that no longer exist most of those stores i just named I think essentially all of them have filed for bankruptcy at some point since 2008. And if any of them are still in operation, they have for sure closed a lot of stores in the years that they've been in operation. And they are not generating anywhere near a profit that they did in the 2000s, I can assure you. And beyond the physical product, again, kind of jumping back to the beginning with Mean Girls and Media, there was so much more media that catered to this young woman that doesn't exist anymore. You know, you have shows like Lizzie McGuire, which is all about a young preteen girl and all of her trials and tribulations that she goes through and feeling like an outcast at school and wanting to be popular and having an annoying little brother and having a school crush and having a guy friend who has a crush on you all the while dressing in some really funky, cool, at the time at least to me, cool clothing that is not a reflection at all of what the adults are wearing around her. 
Um, shows like that are few and far between now. I'm not going to say they're non-existent because there's a lot of media out there that is sequestered on all these different streaming apps and, and other avenues that I may not be checking for at this stage in my life. So I'm not going to say that these things are non-existent. But it's not as easy to get your hands on that kind of content now as it was back then, even just for the sheer fact that everything is so spread out, information is so sparse, and you don't even know where to look nowadays. Like if you're a young preteen girl, it's not like it was before where there's a TV that houses every channel that has every piece of content on it that you can possibly watch. And you can luck up and find a show about a preteen girl. That just doesn't exist anymore. And it makes it a lot harder to find content that resonates with you if you don't already know what you're looking for. We have those ancient relics known as magazines. <laughs> Remember those? And there used to be several titles of full-blown magazines that were just dedicated to young women and girls. Of course, we have the infamous Seventeen magazine, which the name says it all. We have Teen Vogue, which still does exist online and actually puts out a lot of really interesting content, if I do say so myself. But it's it operates completely differently than how it used to. You know, we have uh, YM magazine, which... I don't know too many people who knew about YM back then, but I personally loved it. <laughs> I loved YM Magazine. Um, we had L Girl in the high fashion space. Uh, L Magazine, of course, is the parent company, which is still in existence, and L is for grown women. But we had L Girl for a number of years. We also had Cosmo Girl, which was the less racy little sister magazine to the grown woman Cosmopolitan Magazine. Mary-Kate and Ashley even had their own magazine for a spell. It didn't, it didn't have very many volumes, um, but I owned a couple of copies back in my day. And it was just a whole entire magazine dedicated to the stuff that Mary-Kate and Ashley liked as young women. And this level of content, whole entire worlds, galaxies dedicated to just speaking to young women and girls and what they like and what matters to them, just does not exist anymore, unfortunately, ever since the 2008 crisis. And I mean, in terms of media, media is always a touch-and-go industry, right? Like shows, magazines, whatever, are here today and gone tomorrow. But we really saw all of these things take a nosedive after 2008, and they were never revived in a lot of cases. So what we're left with in the wake of the financial crisis and the recession is a gaping hole where all of this dedicated media and culture used to be and used to be created. And in the wake of no longer having those outlets, everyone collectively turned to this new and emerging outlet, which was social media. And I'm not saying that the social media that we know it today was born immediately after 2008. That was a process that took a few years to get to the point where we now have full-blown celebrities who are celebrities through our mobile phones and who've never been part of a magazine and have never been on TV and have never gone through any of those traditional channels to be considered famous. That didn't happen right away, but 
it absolutely would not have been able to take hold as fast as it did if it were not for the fact that the recession knocked out all of these outlets for young, impressionable women to come together. I can't remember who it was now, but there was some young lady who's a, a YouTuber, and she's very young. She's still in her early 20s by my account, and she was talking on one of her videos that I was watching for research months ago and about something else but it relates to this and she was talking about how she always wanted to be a youtuber and she put out her first videos when she was 12 years old so i think it had been like a decade since her first youtube video on her channel and that really blew my mind that at 12 years old that was a desire of a young girl to get on youtube and do her get ready with me's and talk about her life and do her hair and makeup and pick out her clothes on camera and all that stuff because I didn't grow up with YouTube. Um, so I can't even fathom what that would have done to my impressionable mind to see someone in the comfort of their bedroom just talking to me like we're old friends. So it was really eye-opening to me to see, wow, at such an early age, this is such a fully formed idea in a young girl's mind that this is what I want to do. And she cites the people who inspired her back then. And these were influencers who were women who are way older than her. They're women who are closer to my age. Some of them might even be a little bit older than me. So that means that she was consuming the content of a, a more mature woman when she was young and impressionable and 12 years old. And to take it back to the very beginning where I mentioned uh, in my video that I think this is the bravoification of everyone. These aesthetics are being pulled from women who are that target demographic bravo housewife woman. That woman who's in her 40s and 50s who lives a very upper middle class life, if not 1% elite life who has this sprawling mansion and all these helpers and all this you know, domestic servitude and a husband who works really hard and all of these things that are the typical storyline of housewives. Those are things that younger millennial women like myself were consuming back then. And the thing with all of this stuff is that I think it's largely subconscious most of the time. Like I don't necessarily think that everyone is saying to themselves, I want to look like Lisa Vanderpump, but a lot of people are looking for things that feel aspirational to them. And if you are a woman of a certain age, like I am, and you were watching those types of shows, which fall right along the time of the financial crisis, I believe Real Housewives of OC was 2005. Um, I did not watch that franchise, but it's in the ballpark of when all of this stuff was starting to go down, right? Like The Real Housewives of OC is 2005 or 6. The Real Housewives of Atlanta premiered in 2008. Um, the Real Housewives of New Jersey premiered in 2009, I believe. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills premiered in 2010 and so on and so on and so on. And all of this is becoming new media after financial ruin for this country. And that is content that women who are around my age were consuming. And then as we got older and we tried to be more aspirational, 
we were mimicking those things subconsciously because that's what we perceived as aspiration because we watched those things and saw people living that way and wanted to emulate that. And then some of us went on to become influencers and get on YouTube and Instagram and all these other platforms where unbeknownst to us, little 10, 12-year-old girls were watching us the whole time trying to be like us one day. Which leads us into modern day where we have all of these really young teenage girls who want to shop at Sephora and want to completely bypass the stage of wearing crappy drugstore makeup and going straight to Sephora and using Drunk Elephant and Sunday Riley and whatever other products that they're using that most women are twice their age just now starting to buy for the first time. And they're talking about their skincare routines and they're using retinol on their little baby faces, which they're totally going to regret. And they're waking up at 6 a.m. to go to Pilates and (laughs) they're wearing their matching Lululemon sets and they have tape and extensions and they're, you know, eating clean and doing a juice cleanse and like doing all this stuff that was first portrayed on the silver screen in America by the Real Housewives and by Bravo Television. And I feel for the young girls because they didn't have any other outlets. You know, it's not even as though I really feel as though this is their own choice. It would be one thing if this was your choice and you were making a conscious decision to follow down this path. But how much of a choice is it when there are no other aesthetics or cultural outlets for you to pour into? With a lack of dedicated media means a lack of dedicated products. And I don't think that people in the past were in the business of making these teen and tween-centric universes out of the kindness of their hearts. No, there was money involved. There was revenue behind it. And effectively now, what big business has said is that it's not profitable to be youthful anymore. And that's why they're not catering to them. And they're catering to everyone ages 15 to 45, which is crazy because there's so much life in between those age ranges that culturally it makes no sense that we should all be indulging in the same things and wearing the same things. And everybody's buying Baccarat perfumes and buying diptyque candles and everyone has the same vacation spot on their bucket list and it's just like there's no reason why a 15 year old and a 35 year old should have the same identical Christmas wish list you know there's no reason for that we've gone deeply off the rails as a western society and we need to reel ourselves back in and say that money cannot be the end-all be-all here because what we have now is this petri dish of culture that we're all supposed to partake in at the same time, but we're not all developmentally in the same place. So how can we all enjoy this to the same degree? I know young girls like Alabama Barker and Jody Woods are internet sensations, um, and they're beautiful young girls, but they're still young girls at the end of the day, and I just feel like even if we are shoulder to shoulder in Sephora, trying on the same foundation, you and I are not the same. Consolidating millions and millions of women into the same group and trying to have us all enjoy the same things. You know, for an investor, 
that might be an incentive for them because they can capture twice the market share with minimal effort. But we lose out on so much culturally when we do that. And we rob the youth of so much with these business practices. And these videos coming out on my For You page about all of these kids who are in Sephora in particular using all these products and destroying all the testers and ripping things out of people's hands and throwing temper tantrums at the checkout, those are really eye-opening because when you hear about those interactions, it further drives home the reality that we should not be marketing these things to young kids all the way up to older, mature women. Like We should not all be receiving the same marketing because we don't all receive this the same way. And it's alienating a customer who really should be the intended customer because a young child should not be the intended customer for a product that has retinol in it, ever. And greed being the root of all evil and late stage capitalism being the root of all things frustrating in this country has made it so that Sephora and God knows what other retail institutions are a nightmare to partake in and to purchase from because these shareholders and these corporate bigwigs and whoever else that stands to benefit from capturing the market share, they do not care that it's diluting the brand. They do not, and they certainly do not care that it's destroying youth culture. I'm sure they could care less. But that is the end result of what's happening, and it's spiraling out of control. It's making it so that so many people are not having a good time. Like, I personally haven't set foot in a Sephora in years, not even just because of the teenagers, but the teenagers and the, and the little kids certainly don't help me to want to set foot in there and spend my hard-earned money. What we need is to really rally and push these media brands to either resurrect, come back from the dead, or create new ones, create new outlets. I remember there were whole entire TV channels dedicated to young adult programming when I was growing up, and that was not that long ago. Uh, and we need to revive these brands so that they don't just live in the canals of the retail underworld like Justice, which is just sitting on Walmart.com, languishing on the vine. We need to rally behind them, get behind them, get investor money behind them because teens and tweens, they do want to feel like they belong to something. And that's a very real human desire that most of us have. But they want to belong in spaces that were never designed for them. And I understand why they're over there because we never took the time to rebuild those spaces that we lost after 2008. And I feel for them because they don't really have a stake in the real world where they belong. And that's all she wrote, folks. I don't have the answers per se, but I definitely have the questions. And it seems like a lot of us are asking these questions right now. So hopefully somebody who's in the position to do something about it will hear it and give these kids the outlet that they desperately deserve and crave. And that's what I will leave you with. Please be a dear if you haven't already. I would love if you left me five stars wherever you listen to this podcast. If you want to write, write some words to go along with those five stars, I would love that as well. Uh, newsletter sign up is in full effect. 
Um, if you signed up for the newsletter before, please sign up again at the links in my bios on social media because something happened with the link and it got broken and I don't know how many email addresses I lost, unfortunately. So would love it if you signed up just one more time. Give me 10 seconds out of your busy life. I would be eternally grateful. And um, that's it from me. Have a good one, you guys.